Hey everyone, welcome to Yoga Land's Yoga Teacher Companion. I'm your host, Jason Crandall, and we're gonna focus today on the anatomy of twists. There's really three primary things that I wanna do. I wanna talk about some of the fundamental structural or skeletal anatomy that controls or informs where we wanna twist from and where we do not. The second thing that I wanna do is I wanna talk through some of the muscular anatomy, or at least the essential points of muscular anatomy that help facilitate rotation. And then the final thing I wanna do is I wanna take a couple of twists and break them down for you in even deeper detail. All of this content that I'm providing you today is really inspired by two things. Number one, my most recent online training, Essential Yoga Anatomy for Teachers and Students. This is the one and only anatomy program online that you're ever gonna need. So if you're interested in this, check it out. I'll put information uh, links below. Similarly, I have an upcoming advanced 100-hour training on spine and core. This is for those of you that want a really deep immersion or for those of you that are working on developing your 300-hour advanced studies um, certification, right? So information for that is below. But let's start everybody with really focusing on spinal anatomy, okay? And I'm gonna make this really quick and really painless. I want us to very briefly look at the vertebrae. Now, the vertebrae are a little bit different in the three different regions of the spine. So you have lumbar vertebrae, you have thoracic vertebrae, and you have cervical vertebrae. And all of those vertebrae in the three different regions have the same stuff or the same parts, but slightly different shapes, angles, and ratios of the same stuff. And when it comes to twisting, there's really only one major component of our anatomy that you need to know because this is gonna help you really think through, like I said earlier, where we want to twist in the spine and where do we do not wanna twist. So um, let me go over a couple of points really quick for you. So this is the vertebral body. These little wings are transverse process. They're the transverse processes. A process in anatomy is often um, a name given to a part that sticks out, right? I kind of joke with my students. It's like the pokey part. A, a process is a pokey part. And these are in the transverse plane. So these are transverse process. This is the spinous process. So if you were to kind of do like cat pose or you round forward and you see the back of someone, you see those like bony pokey parts of the spine, that's this part, that's the spinous process. When it comes to understanding twisting, the really key component to understand are the facet joints. So each vertebrae has two pairs of facet joints. And they're a little bit difficult to see. I'm gonna kind of layer in some other images for you, but they can be difficult to see, but I'm gonna tell you why they're so important. So these two little nodes or bumpy parts that stick up here, these are, this is one pair of facet joints. And then on the bottom down here is another pair of facet joints. So each vertebrae has two pair. And the reason that this is so important, everybody, is that the facet joints are where the stack of vertebrae 
are in contact with their upstairs neighbors and their downstairs neighbors. Meaning, between each one of these vertebrae, you have a disc. So one vertebral body does not directly connect to the vertebral body above it or below it. It directly connects to a disc that is the connector between the two. So another way of thinking about it is a vertebral body is not in direct contact with its neighboring vertebral body. It shares a disc that connects them both. But where one vertebral body is in contact with its upstairs and downstairs neighbor, so the vertebrae above it and below it, where it is in contact are these pairs. So they're in contact via the facet joints. So the top pair of facet joints of one vertebrae connect to the bottom pair of facet joints for the vertebrae just above it, okay? Now, what's, what we wanna take away from this, everybody, is the facet joints govern how and to what degree that joint can move. So what we know from the orientation of the facet joints in the lumbar spine, this is really important, what we know from the facet joints in the lumbar spine is that the facet joints in the lumbar spine are more vertically oriented, and the nature of this decreases the potential for rotation. So the takeaway that I want you to take is the facet joints in the lower back inhibit all spinal rotation. Taken as a, as a as a total, so your five lumbar segments, your lower back can only rotate a maximum of five degrees. So everybody, technically, and this is really important, you do not twist from the bottom up. You don't, the lower back doesn't twist, it doesn't rotate. And if we try to move a joint, a direction that doesn't move, it's gonna cause problems for those joints. And so what the key takeaway is in your lower back, you do not twist. So what do we wanna do in the lower back in twists? We want to lengthen up, okay? This is the key component. So those of you out there that wanna twist, teach twists from the bottom up, you can still think about teaching from the bottom up, but the bottom lifts, not rotates. So we want the lower back lifting into its natural curve, but it isn't what rotates. What rotates is the thoracic spine and the cervical spine. So let's really quick get to that. So we have a rib cage that unifies motion of the thoracic spine, okay? Since the, since the lumbar spine via the facet joints do not allow rotation, the facet joints of the cervical spine and the thoracic spine do. So your thoracic spine and your cervical spine are evolved or oriented towards rotation. So we lift from the lower back, but where do we actually twist from in a twist? We actually twist from the thoracic spine and from the neck. Now, another detail, I just said that the thoracic cage or the rib cage unifies motion. In the same way 
that your facet joints decrease the ability for the lower back to rotate, the rib cage decreases the ability for a lot of the thoracic spine to rotate. Because with those ribs connecting that, that whole region, you can't really get individuated motion of one thoracic vertebrae relative to another in twisting. You can't do it. So when I tell you that the lower back doesn't rotate in a twist, it lifts in a twist, that's correct. When I tell you where you twist from is the thoracic spine, that's only partially correct. The thoracic spine where you get the greatest amount of twist from are these bottom two segments. Because the bottom two segments, everybody, so the very bottom of the thoracic spine and where the thoracic spine attaches to the lumbar spine, those have the facet joints that allow for twisting because the, the angle of the facet joint is in that region completely different in the lumbar. It's laid down a little bit more, which allows this ability to twist. But in this lower segment, you have the thoracic spine, you have the, you have the vertebrae that allow for twisting. And in this lower area, you don't have ribs that connect to the rest of the cage that limit motion. So let me say this again, because it's, it's, it's kind of difficult to untease. The whole thoracic spine has facet joints that allow you to twist, but most of the thoracic spine has vertebrae that connect to ribs that don't allow you to twist. So where you get the greatest structural amount of rotation in the, in the thoracic spine is the very bottom. It's where the floating ribs are, okay? Now, a lot of teachers caution their students to not twist with their neck. And I think that this is um, well-intentioned but not particularly good advice. It's totally reasonable to twist with our neck. Our neck rotates, our neck flexes, our neck extends. So where are we twisting when we twist in a yoga pose? The thoracic spine, especially the bottom two to three vertebrae, and your neck. Now all of that being said, it's reasonable to caution against excess. So just because you can twist with the neck doesn't mean that you want to like whip the neck into a 360 like circle, right? Don't like crank it around. But don't be afraid to use your neck when you rotate a modest amount. Those are the really key structural things to understand about twists, okay? It's really the facet joint, how they're structured, and the presence of a rib cage. And if you get that, you're gonna know so much. So the takeaway structurally, everybody, is you lift the lumbar, you turn the chest, right? You lift the lumbar, you turn the chest, and a commensurate gentle amount, the head and neck, and that story is built into our bones. Now really briefly everybody, let's think about the muscles involved. You really have a set of internal levers to rotate and a set of external levers to rotate. When we're talking about internal levers, I'm talking about the spine and the core muscles that facilitate spinal rotation. So 
When I'm talking about the external levers, I'm talking about the reality that in most yoga poses, a hand or an elbow connects to a limb or to the floor behind you. So we have our spine and core muscles, those are the internal levers that produce rotation and twists. And then we have the external levers, that's the connection of the limbs to the floor or to each other. Let's very briefly talk about what are the primary rotational muscles of the spine. There's really three primary layers the first of which I think are the most obvious to the greatest amount of students, certainly it was the most obvious to me for a long period of time, which are your obliques. Now you have what are called internal obliques and external obliques. And they work in pairs. So when you are turning one direction, you have internal obliques on one side, working with external obliques on the other side, to create that rotation, okay? And, and we see this in the body, we see a lot of these really beautiful, poignant, diagonal connections between the body. But in the simplest terms, when you use your core to twist, the abdominal part of that core, or the abdominal part of your internal lever that you're using is your obliques, those pair of internal and external. Another part of spine and core, part of that internal lever you're using, are your multifidi. Now multifidi, I was gonna say, are less common. They are not less common. Everyone has them, they're just as common. But they're, they're not as common to our knowledge and reference. But your multifidi are a very long chain of spinal muscles. They're part of your erector spinae. Now, from just doing a little bit of yoga training in anatomy, we know that we have erector spinae and that they erect the spine. But the erector spinae is, the, is a very big name that refers to many different muscles. So erector spinae is a group and your multifidi are part of that group. Your multifidi do many different things that are outside the scope of this conversation, but one of the primary things that the multifidi do are they work with your obliques to facilitate rotation. Then finally, there are many small, like really, really small muscles that are segment to segment spinal muscles um, that also facilitate rotation. These like tiny little stabilizers and, and rotatories, right? So these are the really important ones though, understanding your obliques and understanding your multifidi. And then finally, for the sake of this conversation, we won't get into all the names of the muscles of the arms and the shoulders, but I think it's important to acknowledge that we're rotating with our muscular core, primarily comprised of obliques and multifidi. And then sometimes we're also using a little bit of gentle external leverage, getting those limbs to come into play, okay? So now what I wanna do everybody is I want to run film on two breakdowns, right? We'll look at two, the deeper details on two twists to have you go even kind of more nuanced into this work. And then finally, remember if you're interested in this work, there's 
a lot more that you can learn uh, in the Essential Anatomy course and in Module 2. So without any further ado, here goes. Enjoy these visuals. Let's look at the anatomy for Half Lord of the Fishes, Ardhamatsyandrasana. This is, without question, one of the most common and valuable seated twists in yoga. Twists are incredibly dynamic, so there are a lot of muscles working to develop and sustain this posture. Your erector spinae are working isometrically to help lift the spine. Your obliques are working isometrically to help rotate the spine. The middle and lower trapezius, as well as your rhomboids, are drawing your shoulder blades towards each other and slightly downwards. Your latissimus dorsi is actually working on the side you're turning away from because that arm is slightly hugging the leg towards the torso. In terms of rotating the neck, the splenius group, the scalenes, the levator scapula, and the sternocleidomastoid are all working isometrically. Of course, twists also lengthen many muscles and muscle groups. On the side that you're moving towards, most students get at least a little bit of length in the gluteus medius and in the piriformis. While one set of obliques is working to rotate you, the opposite set of obliques is lengthening. Your erector spinae, while they are working to keep you upright, are also getting a lengthening stretch in this posture. And most students on the side that they're moving towards, so in this illustration to the right, the pectoralis major and the anterior deltoids are lengthening. Finally, let's describe the primary actions of this posture. Your pelvis is in a neutral position. The hip that you're moving towards, so in this one you're right, that hip is flexing and adducting. The bottom hip, the hip you're moving away, that hip is flexing and externally rotating. Your spine is rotating, and your scapula are both retracting and depressing. Let's look at the anatomy for revolved triangle pose, Parivritta Trikonasana. Like so many other standing postures, on the front leg, your hip flexors and quadriceps are working isometrically. The back of your front leg is lengthening, so your hamstrings are lengthening, and you're also receiving a nice elongation on the outside of the front hip. So your gluteus medius, your gluteus minimus, piriformis, and likely other external rotators are all lengthening. The rotational muscles of your spine and core are working isometrically, especially your obliques and your multifidi. Although the primary demands of this posture are on the back and the outside of the front leg, the upper body is also involved. Your pectoralis major and anterior deltoids are lengthening. And on the side of the neck, the scalenes, upper trapezius, and levator scapula are working isometrically in a neutral position. Now, here's how we can describe the primary joint actions of this posture. On your back leg, your back leg is internally rotating, your pelvis is anteriorly tilted, your abdominals are mildly engaged, your spine is lengthening and rotating, your glenohumeral joints, or your arms, are abducted, they're taken away from the body, 
and the scapula are slightly protracted. They're slightly broadened away from each other. As always, everyone, thanks a ton for your time. I hope that you get a lot out of this work and I really enjoy getting to share my insight and my experience with you. So as I said earlier, if you wanna learn more about any of this content, there's links to my website below. And otherwise, just continue to enjoy, pass this along to anyone you feel will benefit from it. And as always, uh, a positive thumbs up review and a follow or a subscribe is super helpful. Thanks everyone, take care.